God is our refuge, a very present help in trouble. These words ring out in the midst of hard times. Be still, be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. These phrases are well known to most of us. They've been used and overused by the Christian culture. It can have a delightful, sometimes sentimental essence. It may pop into your head as you hear your favorite song and sigh with relief. Be still. You see a beautiful image in nature at the sky, and you say, ah, yes, be still. Psalm 46 has been used to soothe our souls after national tragedies and as a favorite for memorial services. The imagery of God holding us together when we feel the entire planet, human nature, and the natural world are truly spinning out of control. And in the midst of all the terror the world can throw our way, God declares that she is in the midst of the chaos and is our refuge, our safe haven if only we will stop, desist from our worry, and let God be God. It reminds me of a folk song whose chorus says, hard times ain't gonna rule my mind no more. The very line implies that hard times are here and very present. But the singer is determined to not let them get the best of her. It sounds like an awfully faithful response to this song. And sometimes this passage in our first translation of the Hebrew, to be still, is taken quite literally. Sometimes the phrase, be still, is spoken as a direction for one's posture, stop moving, which leads to all sorts of preaching on spiritual disciplines and prayer practices. And this passage I sometimes hear more of an exasperated parent asking us to just calm down, rather than a meditation instructor chastising us for having the wiggles. Of course, frequently, the best way to calm down is to physically stop moving and to take a few intentional deep breaths. Be still. It is not easy for many of us. Stillness is not the American way. Be still. Desist from your worrying. Don't let the hard times rule your mind. Easier said than done. I found a very heartfelt and excruciatingly honest account of one woman's struggle to be still with God. Her name is Alice Cura, and her story is written in a brand new book released this week called Disquiet Times. Rants and Reflections on the Good Book by the Skeptical, the Faithful, and a Few Scoundrels. I'm about halfway through, and I highly recommend it. Spoiler, she's a bit anxious, but I hope you will appreciate her words and her struggle. She tells her story like this. Believing in God is easier for me than trusting his love for me. When I lay my head down each night, Too often, I allow the weight of my burdens to anchor me in a sea of my own self-pity. It is at that moment I hear God calling me to relax and be still. With my eyes closed, I try to avoid his invitation. Ashamed by the way I've failed in the day that's gone before, I intentionally avoid having a conversation with my Heavenly Father. 
Then the guilt sets in. This plays out nightly, and I'm aware of how silly it is to avoid God when God knows everything I'm feeling and thinking, yet he allows me to ignore him. Others would judge me for this, but God doesn't. God knows my heart, and he sees a very wounded girl when he looks at me. He knows the reason I avoid him during my nightly meditation time is not because I don't want to converse with him, but because I often cannot let myself come before him with flaws, bruises, and brokenness. Yet it is through this brokenness that I know he desires to reach me and free me from my own bondage of pride. Still, it is too difficult for me. What eats me up inside is knowing just how patient God is. He will wait for me. That much grace is too much to comprehend. I often cannot even allow much of it to penetrate the many walls I have built up over the years. Yet, brick by brick, God dismantles my fortress of self-inflicted protection. Brick by brick. That's the way of it for us, isn't it? Building walls up or tearing them down, or building a path to something new. It takes time. And God will wait. God has time. And God loves us this much. Now perhaps this story resonates with me because it is so similar to my own life. My own short story on spiritual disciplines is that I took a one-credit class in seminary on the Ignatian spiritual exercises. Ignatian, or Saint Ignatia, is a big deal in the world of spiritual prayer practices. And all of my friends were talking about this class, and it seemed like something that I should do. It was taught by a beloved Catholic theologian who is very soft-spoken. Each week, we met after lunch for a lecture, and our homework was to read a very thick textbook and and practice these prayer practices for 10 minutes a day, each and every day. At the end of the semester, we wrote a two-page report on what we learned. Confession. Each week, I struggled to open the book, let alone read more than the section headings before I dashed off to class, lunch usually in hand. During class, in the beautiful chapel where sound carries and bounces around, I inevitably struggled to stay awake as our professor whispered beautiful phrases about God that I couldn't quite hear. When it came to write the paper, I told the truth. I created a a prayer space in the corner of my apartment, and I had not used it. Not once, at all, all semester. I had not made it through a single 10-minute moment of prayer exercises, but I had spent a great deal of time feeling anxious about what might or might not happen should I choose to go through with this prayer thing. I learned a lot about myself that semester and about my own resistance to quiet time. I learned about the value of prayer partners and meditation groups that help hold me accountable to actually praying. And yes, I have since worked on some of the spiritual practices from Ignatius 
and I can highly recommend a few of them. But prayer is not easy for some of us, which is why spiritual practices are called practices and disciplines, and we have conversations on their importance. I've not heard very many sermons or newsletters that ask people to stop praying because it's just too much. You're spending too much time praying. Perhaps. I mean, I'm open to this possibility, but I haven't heard very many of my colleagues complain that our church is just praying too much. The irony, of course, is that learning to be with God, developing a relationship, praying, meditating, spending time in the stories of scripture, it requires us to practice. We cannot learn everything by reading the Bible once, nor can we become wise spiritual leaders if we open our hearts to God once a semester, or perhaps less. Learning to quiet our hearts and minds and simply allow God inside is not easy for everyone and perhaps not for most of us. Many of us resist hard. We resist hard until something causes us to need to step out of our routines and pay attention in a new way. Our worship together, our spiritual disciplines and educational opportunities in this community help, to help us to take time to feed our need to be known by God and to know God. At the officer's retreat a few weeks ago, we practiced by listening, journaling, and praying in a variety of ways. Some practices asked for quiet stillness. Others invited us to fold paper, go on a walk, and string beads. We practiced. We did not change the world in one day, but judging by some of the discussions we had, I think it's safe to say that some of us were changed and affected in small ways. We were still-ish, and we were trying our best to pay attention. It was a very good retreat to practice being with God and to practice being with one another. Practice seems to be the faithful way, the path of faith that leads us to respond to our loving God with practice. To practice being still, practice trusting God, our refuge, with all that we are all of our thoughts and emotions, dreams, and fears. As a community, we practice grief in a world of denial, practice sacrament in a world of technique, practice generosity in a world of scarcity. We practice compassion in a world of competition. We practice obedience in a world of indulgence. We practice hope in a world of despair. We practice stillness in a world of frantic busyness. It really is about how we practice letting go and letting God love us. We practice, and God promises to show up and participate with us, to love and to lead us. Practicing reminds me of a beautiful children's book called If You Want to See a Whale written by Julie Fogliano and with stunning illustrations by Aaron Stead. I put the book on a table in, near the coffee hour so you can appreciate it for yourselves and read it in its entirety. The images capture a young boy, his hound dog, and a small bird who want to see a whale. 
The story goes something like this. If you want to see a whale, you will need a window and an ocean and time for waiting and time for looking and time for wondering, is that a whale? If you want to see a whale, you will need a not-so-comfy chair and not-too-cozy blanket because sleeping eyes can't watch for whales and whales won't wait for watching. If you want to see a whale, you'll have to just ignore the roses and all their pink and all their sweet and all their wild and their waving because roses don't want you watching whales or waiting for or wondering about things that are not pink and things that are not sweet and things that are not roses. If you want to see a whale, do not be distracted by ships or pelicans or bugs or clouds. If you want to see a whale, keep both eyes on the sea and wait and wait and wait. The ending of this book is told with an image, so do go take a look. The truth the story brings out is the difficulty inherent in a world as beautiful as ours, in lives as rich as ours, to keep ourselves focused on the goal. Want to see a whale? Want to see a whale routinely? It takes mindfulness. It takes practice. And when we are scared, it's easy to pass up the roses and comforts as we grasp for something to hold on to. When nothing will satisfy except the whale, it is easier to wait and wait and wait. May we wait. May we practice. May we find time regularly to dwell in the presence of our God, the Jacob wrestling God fights for us, and the God of angel armies protects us. May we be still enough that the love and peace of God be known in our hearts this morning and always.